here, here, here we go. They are finally here, recording for you. If you've seen the film, you can chime in too. Put your headphones on if you want to clap as we take you through this non-Disney rap. Huh, D, D, Disney desk, D, D, Disney desk. Um, all right. That wasn't the worst thing I've I ever think, heard. I think, I know what you thought I was going to do, and I can't scream that loud. Well, like, is the, I can't even really remember what you're referencing. Is this the, supposed to be the, the Mario Brothers, like, rap that... No, no, no. I already did that for the Patreon. That's this what is I the thought. DK rap. Oh. When DK comes in, this is playing... They, but they have to cut out, like, 90% of the lyrics because they refer to a bunch of other monkey characters who may or may not be in the movie. Oh, that explains why I had no idea what that was. Um, I thought it was kind of cute. Oh, yeah, I love it. It's a famous meme. Um, so Donkey Kong 64, which is my first ever console game, like, it was, like, you know, kind of a big deal because it was the first time DK was in 3D, and, like, it's, like, huge worlds, lots of collectibles, play six different monkeys, or five different monkeys, and it opens inexplicably with a rap written by the composer. And people have dunked on it for decades until it has come completely full circle, and now people love it as, like, a semi-ironic banger. Uh-huh. And they just had to cut... And I'm like, yeah, you had to do the DK rap if you're going to have DK in your movie. But you also have to cut out the lyrics that refer to, like, Tiny Kong and Lanky Kong and... Uh, okay, well, let's just do an intro before we go too far into Carter land. Right, right. Welcome to the Disney desk, everyone. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And welcome back to another episode of In Other Tunes. Have we been doing a lot of In Other Tunes lately? I feel like it comes and goes in waves, because I remember very early on, we were like, God, we do way too many In Other Tunes. We gotta get back yeah. to our core roots. And then we went, like, five months without In Other Tunes, and I'm like, can That's I try something other than Disney? I'm kind of tired of Disney right now. That's true. Yeah, so we've just been on a In Other Tunes kick, um, which I like. Yeah, I agree, too. Um Especially because this one was going to be a Disney episode. We were going to talk uh, The Odd Life of Timothy Green. And then both of us were like, no. why would we do that? Yeah, both of us were like, mm, what if we don't want to do that? And I'm glad yeah. that we are open enough and flexible enough to recognize when we just don't want to do something. Right. That we have <laughs> the professionalism to be like, well, that's just, no, it wouldn't be a good yeah. episode. And let's not. Let's just not. Yeah, let's not. That's um, not our vibe. Yeah, it's not like we post the schedule in advance, so it's not like we're disappointing right, people. Right, that we've promised something, you know. I also feel like, other than our decoms, how often are we touching on, like, live-action Disney stuff? Very infrequently. Aside That's from, a good like, point. It, it's just decoms that we really go down the live-action route. Right, because I couldn't even, like... I'm trying to think of what live-action stuff I'd even want to do other than the decoms. Other than, like, Marvel... But we Maybe Tomorrowland someday. Yeah. Um, we we already did Star Wars. <laughs> We're not going back there. We that that's that's what it was. Like we love you guys, but it might be another year before we talk that much Star Wars. I know. So go back and listen to that if you want to hear Star Wars, because that that was it for us. 
But anyway, for us, it was also a fun opportunity because we both had an opening in our schedule, and it gave us a chance to, once again, be kind of on the zeitgeist, be topical. Today, Mm -hmm. we are talking about the one, the only, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Woo! Now, like, you know, I actually, until seeing the final, like, frame of the film where they show like a title card at the end i actually didn't think the movie was called the super mario brothers movie i thought it was just called the mario movie really yeah oh god um no i okay i will get a little nerdy here basically how they delineate what's like officially canon mario stuff it's like they add the super title so it's like Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario World, Super Mario Odyssey. They really like to have the super when it's like official mainline Mario. I think my confusion was more about like the emphasis being on the brothers part. I thought the emphasis was just on the Mario part. Do you know what I mean? And it was, but I was expecting less emphasis on the brothers part. We will get into this business in a moment. It is interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Because it is just called Super Mario Odyssey. It's not called Super Mario Bros. Odyssey. Yeah. and But Lu- Luigi is nowhere in the game. Yeah, he's like a cameo. Because it's Super Mario 3D World, and you can still play... That's interesting. They've dropped the brothers. Huh. Yeah. I never really noticed that. Yeah, and I guess because I've played the more recent Mario games, that that's why I... It wasn't until the end of the whole movie that I was like, oh... This was about the brothers. <laughs> yes, that explains a lot kind of, about this movie. Okay. Which is kind of why I like the movie. But we are yeah. already like we are already in world like four two. Um, so before we get any <laughs> deeper on our quest to liberate the mushroom kingdom, uh, it's time for another episode of Internet Minute. Cue the horns. So, Sydney, what do you got for us this week? Okay. Um, my internet minute today comes from Twitter. We should just start calling this the Twitter minute. Because <laughs> that's sort of my main frame of reference here. Um, right. This is a tweet about the supposed Harry Potter reboot. Um, the, the original tweet is from the Twitter at discussing film which you've probably seen yes. going by it's it's a pretty popular um film twitter blog i guess you could call it um so their initial tweet um just says a harry potter reboot is in the works at hbo each se- season of the series would be based on one of the seven books and now the reason i'm bringing this to the podcast today is just because I was only shown this because one of our favorite gal pals on the internet, Mina Kimes, responded to it, and I thought her comment was funny. It's probably the only reason I even saw this, is because I follow her, and it showed me that she replied to something. And (laughs) so really, this internet minute is just about her reply to it, which she says, it's all fun and games until two of the Weasleys have a kid together. I love that girl. What the fuck? (laughs) I adore Mina Kimes. Um, I do too, but what the fuck? For stuff like that, like, that's her point. <laughs> like, let's just, okay, so like, let, let's let it run itself into the ground. Like, I don't, I think we all know that this is going to be garbage. 
I don't think you know. I I don't I don't think people are genuinely excited for this for all of the obvious reasons, but like I feel some I'm feeling some fatigue around around all of the Harry Potter discourse. Um. Yeah, I kind of but, agree with you in the sense of like. I kind of agree with you in the sense of like it feels like we're just going in circles. Yes, like there is just a hard line, a small hard line group who are just never going to be willing to give this up, and they are never going to change, no matter how bad things get for transgender individuals. Mm -hmm. And that, Mm -hmm. for some reason, is the line in the sand they've decided to make. And it's also just tiresome because it's like, if the brand were healthy, they wouldn't be doing this. Right. Like, there's incredible numbers about how quickly like the amount of people playing that stupid video game dropped off. And it really underlines, like, oh, it was just an initial rush of, like, either, wah, 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 I'm getting at the wokesters mm-hmm. and, you know, Twitch streamers who felt pressured to play it because they had, you know, because, you know, being an internet person dictates you're in the zeitgeist. Right. Um, you know, her, her, like, licensing company is down 70% because the Fantastic Beast movies died on the vine. They basically just cut out two movies from that. The Broadway show has been kind of up and down for a while. They basically rewrote half of it and also COVID time still affecting it. No one wants to do anything other than Harry Potter with her. The only thing that makes any amount of money is the park at this point. Right. I'm just feeling like, like even that is what I'm just feeling like, okay, guys, what would happen if we just stopped paying attention? Good or bad? I mean, I agree, but it's also like, like, we have to make a state, like, we have to, I don't know, like, we have to make a statement for people to understand, like, it's not okay, but I don't know. I Do get, we not like, get that yet? Like, like, here's the thing. I don't I think mean, there's changing. Wrong, but in, <laughs> I don't think that the, the people who have made up their mind in favor of J.K. Rowling, I don't believe can be swayed at this point. Oh, absolutely not. They can't. Um, we all know where we stand and I feel satisfied in using like other more productive methods to protect the trans community than kind of then then reiterating and re-reiterating that she is a villain it's complicated because again I agree with fundamentally the things you're saying it's just the combination of in the age of the internet you always have to be on a crusade like you cannot let the other side win the microphone battle because if they keep because you may stop arguing about this stuff but the other side won't stop and if they don't stop that means they get to control the narrative it's basically what happened with last jedi but obviously not as individually targeting a specific group of people and also just because like like her actions are helping ratchet up like a very dangerous time for transgender people. Mm-hmm. Like if this were if this were 2012 and we we're having these discussions, I feel like people would be more inclined to your notion of like let's just drop this and let the mad queen like you know cackle until she passes out and keels over. But like you know, like the fact that we are in the moment right now just makes it harder to like let anything just stand. I mean, and at the end of the day, you're because you're right. At the end of the day, one I doubt any of this will ever get made. Maybe they will get a season in. I can't imagine it'll make it'll be way too expensive for a TV budget. We're literally going on a writer's strike. So unless they decide to use AI art or find scabs, and God knows who would be willing to say, I will sell my soul to write Harry Potter and I will mm-hmm. also be a scab. 
like, I can't imagine that's a very big pool of writers to ask, you know, come from. Like, the fact that they're using all of the iconography from the original films, one, it's just sick and gross that, again, you're trying to threaten people with nostalgia um, and try to manipulate people with their childhood memories. That's gross. That's sick. And on top of that, it's like, yeah, they're not going to change anything. So it's literally just going to be a longer, worse version of a thing that already exists. And they'll get to season two and realize they do not have the budget to make yeah. the stupid snake. And then the kids will age out of the films. Right. And it'll be just a grand waste of time. It was literally a Hail Mary pass to keep the brand like going and try to get stock prices up for Warner Brothers. Which failed spectacularly, because after that whole thing where they're talking about like all the stuff they're making for... Well, now it's called Max, because, you know... Why take advantage of the fact that you have the Warner Brothers and HBO brands, two of the most iconic names mm-hmm. in entertainment? Their stock price dropped like six points. It didn't work. Like, clearly, you go broke if you don't go woke, as it turns out. Right. Yeah, which, like, that's a, another element of this, of, like, from a business standpoint, I'm very confused by this choice. This is the absolute worst time to be rebooting a Harry Potter thing to be launching a Harry Potter anything. This is the absolute worst time. If this were happening pre-pandemic, pre, if, like, yeah, this were happening, like, five years ago, even beyond that, be- before we really knew the extent of, of J.K. Rowling's bigotry, um, this, would, this would make a lot more sense. But this is the absolute worst time to have a new Harry Potter idea. So why are they doing it? <laughs> They literally don't have a choice. Like, Warner Brothers is hemorrhaging money. They have, like, a handful of brands that they feel like they can rely on, you know, because, you know, all of these people still have IP brain, where they're like, if it's a brand, it's worth continuing forever and ever. Like, you know, their attempts to do spinoff movies failed miserably. They can't do Cursed Child as a film because Daniel Radcliffe, Luke, like, the whole trio have emphatically come out and said they do not support J.K. Rowling anymore. And, you know, they made the deal with the devil where they gave J.K. Rowling disproportional creative control over every single Harry Potter thing they make. Like, and because, and because, like, she's not like George Lucas, who is like, yeah, I'll just sell this and not have to think about it ever again. Mm -hmm. Like, her identity is now, like, she insists on... Which that like that's the like that's the core of the whole problem. When we were discussing this five years ago, and we were talking death of the author, the difference is if George Lucas randomly came out as like an anti-vaxxer or something, it wouldn't really matter because he has no attachment to this anymore. It's right. it's his, but it's not. Whereas J.K. Rowling is like obsessed with this idea that she's God's gift to children's writing, so she refuses to step away. She continues to become more and more of a controlling part, especially as more and more artists realize like this isn't worth it. I'm not going to get. You know, it's not going to make my career to be a part of this anymore. Right. It's just miserable and gross and it sad. It is, yeah. And, like, y'all, I'm... Like, like this is a hell of a conversation to start our Mario movie episode with, but, like, <laughs> if you're transgender, we love you. You're yeah. great. Like, your rights are human rights. And, like, you know, you have allies in us. Right. Yeah, I'm getting old. I think I'm just getting old and I don't like the internet anymore. Yeah, me too, kid. Yeah. Me too. I'm older than you. Yeah, like, like don't remind months, me. But yeah. Yeah, that says a lot. Yeah, it really uh, does. Uh, see, now, if I knew you were going to do that, I would have suggested mine first. But um, so I also did Twitter because 
you know, I again, we were talking about this last week. It's kind of fun to rep people who do, like, pro-Disney, or who do, like, other Disney content. And this is someone I discovered um, really, really recently. Um, they go by the account somewhere, W-A-R-E, at Diz. So it's somewhere at Disney. Uh, their last name is Where. And I feel okay saying, like, it's on their account. I'm not, like, I feel okay not doxing them on this one. Um, so they it looks like they're just one of those people who goes to the parks pretty frequently. And they take really incredible photos of the Disney parks. Um, I'm going to send the link to you, Sydney, so you can just look through the first couple. Um, the one I really wanted to cite is the one that's at, like, the beginning of all of this. Um, a zoom exposure that I took at Spaceship Earth. And it literally looks like, like a science fiction film. Um, like, you know, the core of film is photography. It's just, hey, use a photo camera and take enough photos at quick enough to create the illusion of motion. And seeing this guy's work really mm. underlines how, like, vi one, like, how much cool stuff you can do with a photo camera. And two, again, just how, like, gorgeous these parks are. I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, because we're not the biggest in terms of the park loop. You know, we don't, like, do as much stuff with the parks. Um... And it just, like, again, I see stuff like this, and I'm like, how have I not been here yet? Look at this. Like, mm -hmm. look how immaculate all of this looks. Like, it's yeah. kind of a mini miracle that a place like this exists. Um, right, yeah. In Florida, of all places. Oh, wait, is he at? We'll have to share I think some he goes of to this both parks. on uh, our Instagram. Yeah. We'll have to, yeah, I will make sure we share a link um, in our, uh, in our, um, uh, the feed for this episode. Uh, he also appears to have an Instagram that you can find through his Twitter. Uh, we probably will share some of the photos uh, there, yeah. assuming they're cool with it. Um, yeah, consider that a nice uh, little mouthwash palate cleanser. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, again, like, the magic of Disney's the magic of the image, and this guy has captured that flawlessly. Right, it almost looks... They almost remind me of, like, the AI-generated... <laughs> Like, they sort of yes. have that kind of, like, otherworldly whimsy to them. Yes. And for anyone... Well, actually, that's a good point. And, like, hey, for anyone who wants to get into AI art, don't. look what you can do as a real human being. Don't. <laughs> don't be a scab. Don't, don't do it. Yeah, just not even a once. It's bad for you. Yeah. That's the reason. It's unhealthy. You know, yeah. You'll get sick, and then you'll go to hell before you die. And that's AI, how you know it's serious. AI art kills. Yeah. You thought it was vaping? No. Nope. It's AI art. It was art. AI art. Mm-hmm. Whole time. <laughs> <sighs> Shall we head down the green pipe, Sydney? Yeah, why not? And now back to your regular scheduled programming. The Super Mario Brothers movie is a 2023 American computer animated adventure film based off Nintendo's signature franchise, the Super Mario Brothers. It was created by Illumination, produced by Universal Pictures, and Nintendo. It is the third film based off the Super Mario Brothers, including the live-action 1993 oft-reviled Super Mario Brothers the movie, and the long-forgotten anime 1986 film Super Mario Brothers The Great Mission to Rescue Princess Peach that I still haven't been able to find. That's a title of. of a movie? Oh yeah, it was an anime. I like I assume it may, I assume it's a much smoother title in Japanese. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, it's like it's it's an anime movie. Like it's a Japanese movie, so I assume okay. the translation, the title is a little less uh less Like a full sentence, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Um it was directed by uh Aaron Horvath and Michael Jelenic, um, who you would know as two of the big creative minds behind Teen Titans Go, including mm-hmm. Teen Titans Go to the movies. A movie that me and you love, and someday we do need to do an episode on again. Yes. Just remind people that it is one of the great comedies of our millennium. Yeah, people that don't like Teen Titans Go in general are stupid. Yes. Um, well, that's not going to make you a lot of friends in my friend's circle. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, you're kind of the free-spirited rebel between us. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so, I wanted to talk to you about, like, one of the... Like, we talked about, like how you will randomly just say, oh, I love this growing up, or I like this, and I'll be shocked. Maybe the most shocking one you've ever said is, I'm a big Sonic girl. Um, (laughs) You were the one who recommended us seeing the Sonic movie in theaters, and you're like, yeah, I used to love Sonic. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your relationship with video gaming in general and then Mario in specific, because I know you've kind of only recently gotten into Mario as, like, a brand. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this a lot lately, um, about my relationship with gaming. Um, when I was a small kid, I, I had every console imaginable because my dad was a, a tech geek. He, had, he was a gadget guy. He had every console. He was big into gaming. And I used to play with him a lot. Um, we had a lot of, like, car racing games. I used to play a lot of Frogger. Um, I used to play, he and I used to play the uh, Simpsons Road Rage. Is that what that was called? Oh, what a classic. Yeah. Simpsons Hidden Run and Simpsons Road Rage. I think it was Simpsons Road Rage that we were... Yes, that's a crazy taxi one. Frequent, yeah, that we were like, uh, you'd be like, pick people up and drop them off and yeah. Um, That one, so uh, I had a lot of, um, so, so when I was a small, I, 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 I played a lot of video games. Um, so then when my dad passed away, we kind of just got rid of a lot of his consoles and a lot of his stuff and, like, didn't really think twice about it. So I, but, but I've kind of rethought this recently because for a while I was under the impression that, like, I wasn't into gaming until now. Mm. But that's not true at all. I've just kind of had this weird like internalized misogyny that like the video games that girls like are not real games <laughs> and that real video Ooh, games are like yeah. ones where you shoot stuff or drive a car or like do something like masculine like that's actual gaming so this whole time I've been under the impression that I have like not had a relationship with gaming since my father passed away and that's not true at all I've actually had I've been playing games this whole time they were just yeah. They were just it was just a Mary Kate and Ashley driving game that I played. I had I had um, a Game Boy Advance um, that yeah. I was dedicated to, and I had a DS. So that's where I got in. I played a lot of Mario Kart and Animal Crossing, and on my Game Boy Advance, I had um, a Sonic game, and I I I completed that entire game. Um, I wish I knew, like, what the game was called other than Sonic. I probably had another title, but whatever game was made for the Game Boy Color, um, I, I, I had that, and I was obsessed with it, and that was kind of my, you know, my go-to game all the, all the time. 
Yeah. I mean, what's amazing is what you were just describing there, you realizing, like, I've been a gamer this whole time. Mm-hmm. So much of our current culture war discourse kind of started with that in, like, Gamergate, where it was like, oh, these women are fake gamers, and then society as we, Western civilization basically fell into the freaking ocean. Um, right. Sorry, we're still political here. Uh, yeah, my bad. Um, I will say, also, Nintendo is kind of guilty on that front because... So, like, the video game industry crashed in the 80s, and mm-hmm. Nintendo, who had previously been making arcades, was like, we're going to make a home console. It's going to be the su- it's going to be the Nintendo Entertainment System. But, like, at that point, gaming was, like, stigmatized. Like, gaming wasn't, like... It was like, oh, ga- like, the gaming industry had crashed. Why would you yeah. do that? So they're like here's what we do. We don't sell it as an electronic product. We sell it as a toy. We get them to put it mm. in the toy aisle, and then parents will be like, oh, it's a new toy that happens to be a video game. Right. And th- in that era, like especially in the U.S., toy aisles were split between the, you know, the blue and pink aisles. Like, I don't right. need to explain that part. Yeah. Like, you know that. Um, and they chose the blue aisle, which inadvertently like kind of caused this retroactive rewriting of history where it's like, oh, video games, they've always been a boy's thing. Exactly, yeah. Because, like I said, like I was playing Nintendogs and Animal Crossing and like stuff like that. And and this whole time I just didn't think that I was a gamer or that I played video games. Like I literally did not think of myself as playing video games until an adult, which like with the games, right. even though I still play an Animal Crossing, very dedicated to my Animal Crossing. But, um, but yeah, I had this epiphany literally like, last week when I was like wait a minute I've been playing video games my whole life <laughs> I never stopped <laughs> right um I've yeah, just been my judging myself I, yeah honestly like you're more of a gamer than me at this point I would argue at least in certain really? respects maybe um, yeah yeah my story is more boring like my first system well obviously I had a Game Boy Color um and I would I had Super Mario Brothers Deluxe which was like a fancier like, it had some bells and whistles on it, but it was basically the first Super Mario Brothers game. Like, the one where most of the stuff comes from. Like, Bowser, power-ups, do-do-do-do-do-do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then, like, I got introduced to a lot of Mario's games through, like, re-releases. So, like, I played Super Mario Brothers 2 through my um, fuchsia-colored Game Boy Advance because they were out <laughs> of the, quote-unquote, non-girl colors. And I'm like, I don't care. I just want a Game Boy Advance. I don't care that it's pink. No. Um, <laughs> Mine was, like, like, navy blue. Oh, yeah. Um, and my Game Boy Color, I think, was, like, turquoise. It's somewhere around here. Mm. But, um, yeah, my first console was my N64. Um, I color-coded it with my GameCube. They're both purple. Unfortunately, Switch didn't nice. give me that luxury. Mm. Um, but what's funny is the most famous Mario game, Mario 64, it's one of the only N64 games I didn't own. Like, really? I never got that game for some reason. Yeah, I guess I got... Well, because I got Donkey Kong 64 first, so I'm like, well, this is the pinnacle of platformers right here. Right. This game that famously got memed out of existence and everyone kind of doesn't like anymore. Right. Um, and yeah, I kind of... And, like, for a while, I kind of cut myself off from Nintendo. One, because I didn't get a Wii or a Wii U. And also because, like... Again, I was like, oh, Nintendo, oh, that's the baby stuff. That's the baby stuff for babies. I kind of was doing what you right. were doing, but in reverse. So I became more of a PlayStation guy. And while I still stand behind that, I also like having, like, Nintendo and Sony. Like, you know, you can have a little bit of both as a treat. Right. Um, was, is, would you say, Mar- like, PlayStation was your favorite console growing up? <sighs> what would be? <sighs> that's tricky. Mine was um, I mean, definitely Sega. 
Yeah, I don't have any Sega stuff. Like, I got into the consoles right after... Because there was the Dreamcast when we were growing up, and that's that bombed so badly. Sega's like, we give up. We're just making games now. No more. We tried. We tried. We're done. Yeah. Um, and then they basically ported all of their... Uh, seg- like, all the Dreamcast games to uh, the GameCube, which is what I had. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's... I mean, I have the PS2, which is considered, like, quote-unquote, the best console ever, and because it just had the most games. It had the most stuff. But, like, of the ones I would go back to and turn on the most, honestly, probably the GameCube. Mm. Like, the GameCube, I think, is when... Because that was, like, the best balance of, like, weird stuff that Nintendo doesn't usually have on their systems. And also, they were just in the pocket. Wind Waker, Kirby's Air Ride, um, Super Mario Sunshine, which is... Probably my... Well, before Odyssey was my favorite 3D Mario game. Mm. Um, like, if I were going to rank them, it'd probably be Odyssey, Sunshine, 3D World. Uh, and then I'd have to think about the rest of the list. But, um, yeah, it's... Yeah, like... Yeah, probably GameCube. I just... I think it was, like, the perfect balance between, like, oh, everyone can like that. It's the be- epitome of what Nintendo... Before the Switch, it was the epitome of what Nintendo should be, where it's, like, everyone can pick this up and understand it. But also it had, like, a lot of the weird... But it also had, like, a lot of weird and esoteric stuff for adults. And it had my favoritest Mario game, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. Yes, unfortunately, viewers, I'm one of those guys who's like, bring back the old Paper Marios. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (sighs) Shall we dive into the film? Wait, I have a more video game question because there's this thing that I cannot remember the name of. Again, like, my dad used to be, like, on the cutting edge of, like, anything that was new, he had it. And there was this I, one... Which I respect. I want to be like that. Right? Except Xbox stuff. I'm done with Xbox. Well, I think this, this thing I'm talking about was an Xbox thing. Because, like, all it... Like, I never knew what was what, like, honestly. Other than, like, the Sega. Like, because, like, different consoles used to be in different rooms of our house. But, like, he would just... He would do all the button pushing and then just hand me the controller. I didn't know where. Like, so right. I forget what games I was playing on what console. But there was this one that was, like... It was, like, before the Wii, I believe it was an Xbox product, and it was, like, it used, like, a webcam, or it used, like, a camera, and you, like, did it with your body? Like, your body was the controller? You'd, like, when was this? Was this, like, 2006? I yeah. don't really, re- like, how Yeah, this would have been, like, 2005, 2006, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I'm not, because that was before we knew each other, and I don't have, like, the best timeline of, like, your events on that front. Um, it could have been a couple things. I know the PlayStation had, the PlayStation 2 had a camera, like, a kind of limited abilities camera. What you're describing sounds an awful lot like the Kinect, which came out with the, um. which came out after the 360. That would have been, like, 07 or 08. That's kind mm. of, like, mid the, the Xbox 360's life cycle. Like, the idea, because the Wii had come out, and everyone was, like, oh, we have to capitalize on this. Motion controls. It's the wave of the future. And it's like, no, it's more just, um, like, you know, that market's already got, like, and also, like, the, you know, the Wii is cheaper than your options. And also it has the Mario on it. Like, it has bowling on it. You don't have bowling. Like, you kind of miss the point of why this became successful. Lest we forget the PlayStation Move. Oh, God. Imagine a somehow clunkier version of the Wii, but with an obnoxious glowy ball on it. Ew. Yeah. There was an attempt. Right. (laughs) There was an attempt. Okay, now I'm ready to talk movie. Right. We've been talking for half an hour. We We got that out of our system. Yeah. 
We have to establish our bona fides. It's like the Star Wars episode. Right, right. Okay. Um, so, so let's begin. Usually when we do these, like, movie reviews, we've been, we've been cutting it into categories of, like, what worked really well, what did we like, and what didn't work so well. I think this would be a good movie to start with the positives. Right. Um, yeah, I, I'll qualify all of this by saying two things. One, we are, I feel like we're going to talk spoilers. This is a pretty plot-light movie, but I also respect that a lot of people want to be surprised by, like, certain turns yeah. and certain cameos and certain references. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen the movie, maybe wait to listen to this until after you've seen it. Right. And then you can hear our opinions on it. Yeah. And two, I feel like I'm going to be more positive than you, but I am going to be a little critical at times. And I just want to say that before we say anything else... Like, despite any mean thing I might say about this movie, if I had grown up with this movie, like with Good Burger or the original Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, it would have been in my VHS and DVD player constantly. It would have been a go-to film for me. Well, you know what? That's interesting because, like, my first question is, like, let's talk for a second about what our expectation was going in. And was any of that sort of informed by any internet discourse? I'm curious about yours, because I feel like I've been on this since they announced it in, like, 2017. Like, I feel like I've lived with this movie for simply too long. Okay. Well, I remember, like, the announcement's very clear, and I kind of took the same emotional journey that I feel like most people went on, which was, like, um, being kind of interested. My, my interest was piqued until I saw the cast list, and I was mm-hmm. immediately, like confused and kind of pissed off and everyone will remember where they were that day the day that they saw the casting. and if they watched it live like because i watched that live and i almost dropped my freaking yeah phone. my i think that was one that we kind of watched together we often like tune into those things together when we can yeah um but like i and, and you know what after having seen it i feel a lot more positively but all of my concerns kind of went out the window in terms of casting um right but like when i saw that i was like for what why who what where when why like why why are we doing this and we can get into that a little later and and the internet was collectively like wtf um this is a huge mistake obviously this is an error this is a prank um, what are we doing here? Oh, God, Illumination's going to mess. Yeah. We're never going to get a Nintendo movie again. Right. And, like, again, the knives were out from this thing from the get-go when they mm-hmm. announced Illumination. Which, again, why why did they go with Illumination? Because Nintendo had already been working on Universal to bring the Mario Park to Universal. I don't know what to tell you. Uh-huh. But, but um, anyway, like, after, as in the in the last, like, month or so, I knew that I wanted to, to see it at some point. Um but, like, I was, I was hoping to kind of be, like, I was hoping, <laughs> I don't think I quite got what I wanted out of this. Um, and I was coming across, I was inadvertently coming across a lot of negative discourse about this movie. Um, and I was doing my best to, like, be neutral and not let it affect me too much going in. And I think I mm. did a good job of that. Because, like I said, I think I wanted... <laughs> I wanted to feel positively about this. Um, and I don't, I, like I said, I don't think it met my expectations. Anyway, what's, like, what was what was your viewpoint before having seen this? 
<sighs> I mean, I I feel like my roller coaster ride because again, I've loved Mario since like. I've been in the Mario camp for so long. It's one of those things when, like, you're a little kid and you decide to get into, like, writing and making movies. It's one of those ones where I'm like, well, if I ever got a blank check, like, if I ever earned my blank check where it's like you can make whatever project you want, I would have put my hand down and said, Mario movie. Let me do a live-action Mario movie. Or animated. But I've always thought it would be more fun to do live-action because it would be trickier. Um, So then when they announce Illumination, especially because we're coming off of, like, I think they announced this in, God, like, 2017? Like, we were coming off, like, they were really stinking up the joint. Um, like, so, like, I was like, oh, God, here we go. This is the worst possible option. And at that point, like, I didn't even know who I wanted to make it. Because I'm like, well, like, you know, you know, did Pixar's not going to be fun. Ghibli wouldn't be that interesting. Like, Ghibli's not the right fit. Like, Disney's not doing it. Sony apparently tried to get the rights for forever, and they just didn't um, end up getting them. Uh, Mm -hmm. famously, like, uh, Nintendo kind of screwed Sony or vice versa, depending on who's telling the story, because they were going to team up and make an addition, like, they were going to make a CD-ROM for the Nintendo, or the Super Nintendo, like, the idea was, like, you would have an additional add-on that could play discs, and Sony were looking over their contracts, and they're like, this is stupid, we should just make our own thing. So, Nintendo went with Philips CDI, and it was a disaster, but I digress. Anyway... And, like, yeah, I was there for the casting thing, and I was just like, oh, my God, it really is all of our worst fears come to life, except when they go Jack Black as Bowser, and I'm like, now hold up. And I don't even hate Chris Pratt that much. I just felt like it was very obvious. And then that first trailer comes out, and I'm like, oh, my God, is this, which is basically the opening of the film, and I'm like, oh, my God, is this going to be everything, like, I want, like, a not serious Mario movie, but a movie that takes Mario seriously? Mm -hmm. Like, a movie that, like, makes all of this work and is, like... Again, it's, like, I wanted this to be, like, the on the tier of, like, the Lego movie or Teen Titans go to the movies. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be this sort of, like, a, like, everything good about a brand come together, like, fully realized in this, like, sincere, earnest, beautiful thing. And then once the, like, it's so funny, once the, like, reviews started coming in, it's like, oh, no, it's more illumination than you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the reviews being as down as they are kind of let me just be like, I'm just going to see it, and whatever it is, it is, and, like, I'm going to be happy with that. I'm going to be happy that we've gotten to this point where people are seeing a Mario movie. Right, right. You know, I also feel like it's an important thing to caveat, because I've found myself explaining this to people that are sort of not in touch with how filmmaking works or or with the film industry, that they're confused as to why they saw something and liked it and critics don't like it. And I feel like a lot of people don't consider that films are both like a storytelling medium, but also entertainment. And that something can be simultaneously entertaining and bad filmmaking. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's The discourse around this film is so confusing and weird, mm-hmm. especially because it doesn't neatly fit into, like, the culture war stuff, where right. it's like, this isn't like Zack Snyder making those stinker DC movies where far-right <laughs> weirdos can champion him as, like, the objectivist king. Yeah. Like, this is like, oh, the company famous for making children's entertainment teamed up with another company famous for making fun for all the family entertainment mm-hmm. and made a largely kid-centric piece of entertainment, and it's just good. Yep. And nobody knows how to cope with that anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. It's all. It's just so. F- well, no. I'm. I'm gonna save that rant for later because we gotta like right. really get in the weeds. Okay. About this. Yeah. We're already in deep. 
Um, so let's start with what we liked about this film. Give me some of your positives what, with, with your experience. Um, what did you really like about this? For me, like, and I will say, and I think I told you this, like, I went into seeing the film because we saw it on like a Tuesday afternoon screening to save money. And we figured there'd be less people there, which didn't really pan out. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going on on what I've later come to realize was like a seven day long panic attack. So like I was not in the brain space to engage with a movie. And Mm. the fact that it absorbed me into the screen to the point that I literally forgot I had popcorn. Yeah, you didn't touch your popcorn until the credits. (laughs) Yeah where I hastily ate it because I'm like, well, I had to go to the bathroom, not carrying popcorn into the bathroom. Yeah. Um, it is one of the most, like, sort of audio-visually satisfying films I've ever seen. Like, it is a gorgeous visual film in terms of, like, a vibrant palette, mm-hmm. like, really creative use of, like, action and movement. Like, we'll get into, like, its world building, but, like, even beyond the world building, just, like how it like yeah it's good camera work for how complicated some of it is right it like thinks through how to make this like it figures out how to make everything look as like big and spectacular as it looks in your head when you're playing the game Mm -hmm. and also like it has that mario energy of like just looking especially the more recent games one it just matches the aesthetic very well but is also different but also it's just pleasant to look at that's always one of the secret traits of mario games is even in like the N64 days when it looks like a bunch of like a bunch of rocks smashed together, mm-hmm. it's very visually calming to look at. It's a very calming aesthetic, the Mario world. And the fact that they brought that to life is incredibly impressive where you just feel like simultaneously yeah. excited and calm while watching it. Cause there's a lot of, this is something actually, if there's any positives to the Lorax, which for those of you that have subscribed to our Patreon know that we don't like the movie, but it, there's a lot of like soft textures in this mm. world that look smooth to the touch. I think that adds because there's so much. There's a lot of neon like in this world. It's right. bright as 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 all get out, but everything looks really touchable. Right, like it feels like a place you would want to have a picnic. Yes, and I think like in terms of interactive media, that's exactly what you want to go for. Of like, mm-hmm. would I have a nice time hanging out in this place? Didn't I say that when we were playing, um, last time we played cart with, with our friends, I was like, if you could live in one of these maps, like if you could visit for a day, which one would you want to visit? That's why. (laughs) Right. Yes. And like this movie is that, but every single part you're like, no, 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 wait, that part. Yeah. Even Bowser's domain. It's like, well, this is a vibe. Like this is like a spooky goth place. I like this. Yeah. Like it's scary, but not like terrifying. Right. Um, Well, I was going to say, and it also carries into, like, the score, too. Like, I think in terms of, like, in terms of adaptation, the best example of that in this entire movie is the music and, like, the sound elements of it. Where, like, like, overall, this film is really impressive in terms of taking almost, like, 40 years of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, between platformers, between golfing games, between racing games, between, like, esoteric uh, RPGs, between, like like just so much stuff and saying like okay how do we make a coherent audiovisual spectacle out of this and the music is the best example of that because it takes like it's just like it's not just playing the famous like it's not just playing like the famous tracks mm-hmm. it's figuring out how to make them fit together in one fluid scene 
Like, the amount of songs they can get through in one action scene or one little sequence where they're exploring an area is genuinely impressive in terms of how it all feels so coherent and clear and, like, just sings, for lack of a better word. Yeah, that was going to be a positive for me as well. The soundtrack um, is almost, like, arresting. (laughs) Um, Which I, I always love, like, when Nintendo, for, like, these, like, various video game award shows, they have, like, an orchestra... Um, perform these pieces from video games. Um, I think video game music is like a very underrated um, art form, but it is I almost want to call it a part of the narrative um, in this movie. It's like its own its own character. It's almost like Jaws. I feel like they use certain of those like classic um, like melodic motifs um, for for emotional effect that that is really really felt here, because most of the audience already recognizes them and what they imply. Right. Yeah. In terms of like, some people have accused this film of being nostalgia bait, and the one place where I think the nostalgia bait works in its favor is like this because it's fan service, but it's good fan service. Yeah. It's fan service that tells a like it uh, that elevates the story, like. Like, this is one of those films, and this is, like, a trend with a lot of kind of more, quote-unquote, prestige blockbusters, like Last Jedi or Mad Max Fury Road, where they'll have a cut of the film that doesn't have any dialogue. They cut out all the talking and most of the sound effects, and it's just the score. So you're just watching a, basically watching a silent film told mm-hmm. through the actions you're seeing on screen and the music, mm-hmm. like a silent film. And this film, I would love to see that. Just mm. lean into the idea of the video game element of it, where it's just sight and sound, and like we're just seeing like all of this action happening with this beautiful music. There's there's a place in Philly that that does that often with a lot of like Pixar films and Star Wars, the Man Center. Oh, they do right. live yeah. outdoor events. We'll have to look at that because it's an outdoor venue. Um, yeah, and they have like full orchestrated events of like Star Wars and a lot of they do a lot of Pixar too. Um, right. Um, you know what? On the topic of, like, nostalgia bait, I can't think of a time where I saw that as a problem. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that, a, is that an issue? Are we mad at that? I, no, I agree, because there was all this talk about, <laughs> oh, it's just Easter egg, Easter egg, Easter egg, and I'm like... Isn't that what okay, you're here for? Okay, maybe some of the power-up... Well, yes, one, like, they understood the assignment. Right. Like, this film, if nothing else, again, this is a film that's like, let's take 40 years of Mario and do everything. Every possible Mario thing we can do, let's do it. And also, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe they had one too many power-ups, but, like, I don't know, they make sense in the context of what's Mm -hmm. happening. Like, what is, like, I'm trying to think of what the most egregious example would have even been, like... For this movie, I don't, I don't know, because, like... This is an adaptation. What, like, it's got to be all Easter eggs. It's got to be all references like that. I actually think yeah, that was part it, of the fun of for for watching this for me was being like, I recognize this. Like, I, <laughs> like every every new landscape that they entered, especially a lot of the scenes with just Luigi, where I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I recognize this place. Or like this 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 feels like a Luigi's Mansion game. Or like like if they just right. somehow they recreated the exact ambiance of certain previous games. That sequence where Luigi's going through those, like, desecrated lands, yeah. and there is just that one little musical motif of do, 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 
do, do, do, do, from the original Luigi's Mansion, which might be in my top ten games of all time. And I'm like, damn it, I am a sucker for this. Like, right. we're all suckers for this. And that's, sometimes that's okay. Like, yeah, like, none of it, other than the Rainbow Road thing, where I'm like, this feels a bit contrived. You mm-hmm. had, you wanted to do carts and you wanted to do a Rainbow Road. That and, like, I'm trying to think, like, the only other one is, like, where someone references Diddy Kong, and you're just kind of like, well, okay, we didn't need that. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's cute that it's there. Right. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Like, I don't know. It all felt, like, pretty, like, especially because this film is so kinetic, just jumping through all of this stuff mm-hmm. made sense. And for me, that's another, like, like, in a lot of ways, this gets a lot of what I like about the Paper Mario games, one, it's like, okay, because the Paper Mario games, and I think I've explained them, they're like RPG, like turn-based combat-y things where you're like exploring worlds, mm-hmm. solving puzzles. There's a lot less jumping and a mo- lot more like exploring and collecting and like occasionally fights where one side takes a turn and then the other side takes a turn. Mm-hmm. Like it's like D&D. Basically, like to describe an RPG is to describe D&D, but like a video game. Um, and... For me, what I loved about those games was it's like, okay, how do we take all these places you jump through, like all of these jumping sections with aesthetic and make a coherent, like shared world of all of them where it's like, oh, this is where the penguins live. Oh, this is where the Yoshis live. Oh, this is where the Goombas live. Mm-hmm. It, at its best, it does that. And that doesn't work unless it's a lot of references right. where you're like, yeah, we're referencing this thing because it's a part of this world that just kind of exists there. Right. They have lives, they pay mushroom tax right exactly Um, we must assume right and i don't know about you but a big positive for me was and this is another thing with paper mario the sort of anarchic sense of humor i think Mm -hmm. this movie's really funny it is yeah like and not just in like oh haha reference humor like actual like setup and payoff jokes um in particular like everything they do with bowser is very very funny to me Mm. um because, like, in the plot, it's established. Bowser's like, oh, I've gotten the superstar, and I'm going to use this to get Princess Peach to marry me. And then when he discovers that there's Mario running around, he immediately goes, oh, obviously, he's after the princess, too, so I have to be incredibly jealous. And just the constant setup, like, and payoff of, like, him, everything that Mario does, Bowser being like, wait, did Peach think that was cool? Like, Mm -hmm. how cool did she think that was? Just killed me. Right. Like, as I sat and thought about every single joke... Every single one knocked, like, I'm like, <laughs> wow, that was actually hilarious. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think that's why I feel like I lean more positive on this movie than you, because in my head, the perfect Mario Brothers movie is basically an Abbott and Costello movie in The Wizard of Oz. Like, oh, two sort of blue-collar slapstick schmucks get sucked into some kind of colorful technicolor, like, dreamland mm-hmm. and have to go on an adventure. And at its best, this movie kind of is that. Lots of, Mm -hmm. like, slapstick, a lot of vibrant worlds, a lot of, like, really, like, like, really, like, sort of extremist jokes. Um, But obviously animated. I guess that's kind of the difference is that I did not have in my mind what I thought a good Mario Brothers movie would be. I sort of approached this as, like, what do I think a good movie is? And, right. and does this meet that? And in so many ways, no. It doesn't meet that. Again, well, elaborate I simultaneously that. feel like this is bad storytelling, but entertaining at the same time. Yeah. 
I want, like, I'd like you to elaborate on that a little bit, because I feel like I get to control the positive section, and you're more sure. like the, well, here are um, things that aren't. The heat miser, yeah. Okay. Um, Which is funny, because in my family, I'm the heat miser, because I'm the, like, hot-headed chubby one, and Bennett's the snow miser, because he's lanky. Well, that makes a lot of sense, too. Anyway, um, okay, so, yeah, my biggest issue with this is that it has, um essentially like a lot of people have have accused this film of having zero plot which i don't think is accurate i don't think it has no plot i think it sets up a lot of ideas in the beginning and follows through on almost none of them right and and this would be an excellent candidate for something that we do a script doctor episode on um because right i could do a much better job at this (laughs) I almost um, suggested we do that in this episode, but I'm like, we're already an hour in. We're not. I know. We're not adding another forty minutes. To this. I know. Maybe down the line we'll, we'll re- revisit this, or maybe this is a good Patreon. If you topic. all yell at us enough, yeah, start start yelling, and, and we'll consider. Um, but here's the problem, you know, we and we are giving spoilers in this movie in this in this podcast, right? We're doing we we established. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we decided. Yeah, we were just talking. Audience, for some reason, no one watched our Black Panther spoiler episode, so now we're just doing spoilers when we do topical movies. See the movie, and then watch these. Okay. Um, so, you know, we we establish, like, it does a good job out of the gate in, in establishing a couple things. That, like, Bowser's really threatening for some reason. Mm-hmm. He's got potentially Thanos-like power. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's one. Two, yeah. the Mario he's Brothers... The yeah, he's got the Doomsday Weapon. Two, the Mario Brothers um, are a great team, and they are even better when they're together. Um, that's kind of mm-hmm. the whole thing. They establish this phrase that they make a point to repeat two or three times throughout the film, that nothing can harm us as long as we're together. They do nothing with that either, right. which... Uh, they do a little bit, but not nearly enough. They don't. I agree that, with you on that. Because that, because that, here's my thing is like they establish really strong emotional like anchor points and use none of them. And that's why it falls flat. The third thing that they establish is this idea of like maybe disappointing our family, disappointing my parents. They spend a lot of time and a whole scene like with with Mario being frustrated with or getting in an argument over dinner with his family and even to this his comically large family question mark right which i'm like who are these people but like who are you people yeah but like i even feel confused about what their deal is like i'm confused about why they're upset with him i'm confused about what they want from him are they upset that he's a plumber because that seems to be going well well. because like they don't explain this very concisely but they establish, like, Spike, the big guy with the beard, who kind of looks like Kevin, if Kevin just started doing steroids. Um, like, <laughs> they worked for him. He's, like, he's Spike, the demolition guy. It's actually a really obscure reference to, like... Yeah, again, these guys did their homework. This is not just, like, yeah. the baseline jokes. Clearly, they were fans of the game. This wasn't a cynical thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they gave a damn enough to be, like, what if we had Spike from, like, the Game & Watch games in this? Um, but anyway... They work for him. They decide to go solo and form their own plumbing company. And basically the plot is like, you can't be taking risks like this, Mario. 
Oh, okay. Maybe that's a detail. Which is like another idea that they don't really develop. Enough. That I miss. Yeah, because so so their problem is that the that that Mario and Luigi started their own venture and that they took a leap. That they took a leap Weirdly, of faith. for as many platforming sections are in this game, weirdly they never reference, like, you gotta take a leap. You gotta take a leap of faith. Right, when that it's all be, jumping. I feel like that's, like, an obvious, yeah, visual, <laughs> audio, like, textual metaphor. Right. That I feel like they don't... It would have helped to have outright said. Yeah. And so, basically, it's like, that's why I have a big issue with this, is because, like... It just feels so random. I don't think they knew how... They knew what they wanted to spend the movie doing, which was watching Mario go through a bunch of obstacle courses. And I'm not totally mad at that, but it. I feel like none of that serves any of this emotional conflict that they introduced in the beginning, and then somehow all of that emotional conflict is just kind of resolved on the end, like a sandwich. Right. But we don't go there. We don't actually take this, this, this journey with with Mario. If we're supposed to believe, I just don't. Like I said, they don't. They they start a bunch of stories in the beginning. I feel like I would cut out most of them, and and just have them have two strong anchor points of this being like, it's important. Like even 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 if it was just like. Okay, I I like this idea of nothing can harm us when we're together. So when they get separated, Mario doesn't know how to function without his brother. That's right. strong. That's actually one of my big notes, but I'll get into my whole th- spiel on this in a minute. But like I said, like yeah, they n- nothing nothing in here gets followed through on, and so we just spend the movie looking at all like yeah we just spend the whole movie enjoying the parts of this film that we recognize from the video games and it's like that alone right. i'm not upset with but we didn't tell a good story like because because and i and i think it really upsets me is because there was so much potential to tell a good story well okay so i have a lot of different thoughts on this and i'll just get through them as quickly as i can um that carter he has the gift of the gab so like you're right. There is a lot of story. And this is one of those films that I would say falls under our category of good story, but weak plot. Like, if you sat down and wrote out, like, hey, here are the bullet points that we want to achieve with the Super Mario Brothers movie. Like, here are the themes, here are the ideas, here are the characters, like, wants and desires and emotional arcs. I'd be like, wow, you even made the Donkey Kong stuff make sense. That's pretty good. Good mm-hmm. job, guys. But then the plot decides to go and basically be like the video games. And there's a lot of discourse online when the trailer started coming out and people were turning around on this thing and being like, hey, maybe it could be good. Where there was a meme of like, oh, Nintendo ha- being over their shoulder. It must have been over their shoulder the entire time. Like Nintendo must have been supervising every little thing they did. And for me, I would argue that's not a good thing. Because a lot of the press tour has been Shigeru Miyamoto talking. Like, he's kind of become one of the two faces of this. Like, the head of Illumination and him are, like, the two creative heads that get to do all the PR and press and stuff. And I'm like, yes, Shigeru Miyamoto, a man quite famous for quotes about how story is not integral to video games, who has never worked in movies before, who um, famously kind of nuked the Paper Mario series by being like, do these things really need story? And it's like, well, yes, they don't. Yeah. They don't have jumping. What? What else? Do, that's the main game thing. The story. Right. Like, what, we, 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 
who basically famously, a lot of the quote-unquote good Mario stories were kind of made under his nose. Uh, case in point, one that people really like, uh, Super Mario Galaxy. Um, the director was um, Yoshikai uh, Koizumi, um, and famously he kind of got brought in and quietly added the story in. Um, this feels like, again, it feels like a movie that had an awful lot of good story ideas, but then Nintendo kind of wanted it to be more like, well, it should be like the game. It should be about the platforming. It should be about the action. It should be about the quote-unquote gameplay. But it's not gameplay. It's a movie. And while these action scenes are really good, it also, they're not advancing the story, yeah. which kind of... A, a way I described it is, and like we talked about Illumination in our Lorax episode now on our Patreon, um, being like kids movie the movie mm-hmm. in terms of like, oh, movies have all these things, so let's have all these things. And... For me, like, all the set pieces, all of, like, the little character moments we get, like, like Mario and Luigi talking to each other after dinner and, like, Luigi pepping him up, or, like, Luigi, like, thinking back to when his brother stood up for him, or even just that nice little bit in the Fireflower Fields where Peach is, like, talking about where she came from. All these moments are good, but the connective tissue that gets us there, like, the transition scenes where we're supposed to have, like, character development and, like, growth and, like, call back to all these like emotional cores you're talking about is very thin Mm -hmm. and like I hate referencing my own work again but it's like when like when I work on writing like sometimes when you're working on writing you just sit down and you're like I have this really good scene and I have this really good scene I need to figure out how to get from one scene to the other scene and ultimately you pick the path of least resistance you think of some convenient way to get them to the next point because you're tired and you've been writing all day and you're hungry and like you know obviously this is a first draft we're gonna like i'll do i'll come up with something better later Mm -hmm. this movie they didn't do that second part right so like mario meets peach and is like like you gotta let me come with you to the kong kingdom we gotta like because if that's my way to get my brother back then i gotta do it and she's like okay and you're like huh all right yeah. and then like that's that's a big issue for me is that like they delivered they deliver the pivotal information of like your brother's in this land and princess peach is going to help you get him back but they deliver it in mm-hmm. like two conversations that happens over like 20 seconds of of screen time and i was like wait wait, wait. this is the story like this is that information, like, that's the plot. That's the, that this is the important stuff. Why have we not spent more time? Why is this so matter-of-fact? Right. That That's a good way of putting it. A lot of this is very matter-of-fact. And that makes sense when you're like, oh, this is being produced by a video game company who does not tell 90-minute um, yeah. theatrical narratives. Oh, that tracks. Because it's like, even in Zelda games, it's like, oh, yeah, the story is a small part of this. There's, like, a lot of, like, running around and doing stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, because again, like every single emotional connection between characters or like emotional arc, I think is really good. I would argue like the beginning of this movie and the end of this movie are kind of exactly what I'd want from a Mario movie. Mm-hmm. Like one, because again, I think it's really funny that they reference the old Mario Brothers cartoon with the Mario Brothers theme. But I love this idea again of like they establish, you know, Mario's the dreamer. He's like ambitious. He's a man of action. Like he goes and gets it. Mm-hmm. And Luigi's his, like, timid, often shy brother who overcomes his fear when he's with his brother. So, like, yeah, he's like, yeah, let's go Let's go be the, you know, let's make a plumbing company. Let's do this. Right. And then, I, again, because you were talking about how they take the bros off of everything, I like that they add the bros back and make that the core conflict where it's like, these two together are unbeatable. They win every right. game. But when they're separated, it doesn't work. And I wish we kind of, like, 
that's the, like, if you wanted to, like, quote-unquote fix this movie, which I'd argue I don't know if it needs fixing because it's exactly what it wants to be and what it wants to be is perfectly pleasant. Like, have one or two scenes, literally have, like, one scene for Mario and one scene for Luigi that shows you, like, what their individual strength is yeah. and how losing that in the other one. Because, like, you know, we see Luigi running for his life. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, he's not built for this. Right. He, of course he gets captured. Whereas, like, Mario would never get captured because right. he'd just punch all their heads off. Right. But we never see, like, what does Mario lose from all of this? Like, what does Luigi, you know, how did Luigi ground him? Like, is Luigi the practical one? Is Luigi the emotional yeah. intelligence? One of my favorite little fan art things is someone had Bowser, like, interrogating Luigi more and being like, so tell me, what are humans like? I think Peach is a human. And, like, Bowser's stomping around being angry, and Luigi has the emotional intelligence to be like, are you like this with everyone? <laughs> like, it seems like you're really upset about a lot of things, and I don't know if this is going to solve it for you. Like, but again, it's like, yeah, but, like, that's if you want to make, like, a full, richly realized movie as opposed to making, like, a perfect adaptation of a video game. Because, again, I, you can't argue this is not kind of a perfect adaptation of a video game, but it's not a video game. Yeah. You know, you and I, um, after we saw it and we were, like, hanging out, we talked about one scene in particular um, that I feel like is worth bringing up here again that had both of us kind of confused. It's, it's mm-hmm. in the beginning, um, this sort of, when they, they get a gig, it's like, I guess it's kind of assumed that this is, like, their first gig of someone who Major saw gig. their commercial. and Yes. Well, and can I, I just say, I will say... Again, Carter talks New York. Um, that building they go to, it, their building's like a bougie, like gentrifier sort of apartment complex. I literally have hung on buildings like that. Again, these people did their homework. Mm-hmm. This is a, like, on a number of ways, this film is very well observed. Right. Um, anyway. But, like, to this, to, 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 to this day, I can't figure out what that scene was trying to accomplish or communicate to us. Um because it's a scene in which they fail, and I suppose, like, okay, does this tie back into the family or, or all of the naysayers that think that they should not have done their own thing? But even that doesn't make sense because what happens on the job has nothing to do with them as plumbers and has all to do with them, like, fighting off, like, a rabid dog. Yes. Why like, do they do that? Like, we were talking about how the dog presents a real threat this isn't like a cartoon threat. Like this is actually a yeah. dangerous situation that they're in. And I don't It starts get it stands it. out because Mario literally gets the living hell beaten out of him by a giant gorilla who could theoretically rip him in half, but you're never really worried about his well-being. No. Where this dog will literally it's rip his jugular scary. out. This this dog like this was a frightening scene. This was like a real threat and it made me so confused. Because why? Why why did they make this so scary? When nothing else for in this context, movie, it feels this threatening. For context, uh, ladies and gentlemen, basically, yeah, they get their first gig, No Sleep Till Brooklyn plays for a little bit. We'll get to the pop music in a minute, I suppose. Um, and they're going to this, like, bougie, rich family's, like, uh, gentrify apartment. And Luigi accidentally breaks, the like, a chew toy of the famous, their, um, like, pet like a big dog that kind of looks like it belongs like you, from Secret Life of Pets. Well, the whole the th- the reason that this started because he broke like a a bone that the dog was going to eat anyway. That's how dogs eat them. That didn't seem right. that didn't seem logical to me either. Maybe I'm thinking too logically, but I was like, 
that's not a problem. I don't see why this started a fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's like, it makes all it makes sense in story, where it's like, you want to show them on the job. You want to mm-hmm. show that they're actually kind of good at their job. Yes. And they work well together. And then you want to give them this, like, sort of 40s, 50s slapstick right. comedy sequence where they're trying not to get bit by this dog, mm-hmm. but... And they're trying to fix, like, it's making the plumbing worse because they keep accidentally bumping into pipes and breaking things. And, like, again, I'm, like, individually in the moment, the scene is entertaining, but it doesn't make sense in the context of everything else. Right. Like, again, it's like a little mini video game. It's like a quick time event in this video game where it's like, oh, you can easily see how this would make sense in the context of a narrative, but they don't, it does, it just doesn't make sense for this narrative Mm -hmm. for the rest of the 90 minutes. If the 90 minutes were slightly different, it would make sense. Right. But it doesn't with the 90 minutes they were given. In general, like, just, for the love of God, add 20 minutes to this movie. Right. It's fine. Everyone's going to see it. Yeah. It's the Super Mario Brothers movie. Again, I think that's what frustrates me about Nintendo being so stingy with its adaptations. Like, people are like, I can't believe the Mario movie made this much money. And I'm like, motherfuckers. <laughs> Mario as a character has existed. Sorry I'm swearing. Like, Kids don't watch this. This Mario has existed since the 1980s. He just had his 35th anniversary. The amount of Mario stuff that has existed before my birth and after my birth is only just reaching equilibrium now. And I am 27 years old, for fuck's sake. Like, of course this movie was always... This movie would have always made this much money. Mm -hmm. It was always going to be this successful. And it just... But I digress. But, like, yeah, if you want to make a two-hour Super Mario Brothers movie, you could have easily done it, and it would have made exactly as much money, and it would have let everything breathe just a tiny bit more. Mm -hmm. Because that's what it is. There's just no room to breathe. Mm -hmm. Again, we're saying, like, the emotional cores of this movie are strong. Like, the idea that these two together are unstoppable and can, like, overcome doubt and fear and overambition, like... Like, like a lot of the romantic rivalry stuff with Princess Peach, Bowser, and Mario works really, really well. Bowser as a character just slaps mm-hmm. and is the best performance in the movie. Even the Donkey Kong stuff, which as a lover of Donkey Kong, I was kind of expecting to hate because I'm like, this is gratuitous. Why did you bring the monkeys in just so you could have go-kart sections? I actually really Even enjoyed that. that works. I, I enjoyed right? the Donkey Kong and stuff, sh- yeah. Right? And I'm like, I kind of like Seth Rogen's performance. Me too. And I like how he's written. Like, again, I like... I like that Mario doesn't have as many villains as he just has rivals. Yes, yeah. Like, I would argue Wario is more of a villain to Mario than, like, Bowser. Mm-hmm. At this point, they, like, because in Odyssey, they've leaned into this love triangle rivalry thing. Right. Like, mostly, you know, you know, these guys rough each other up. They, like, they, 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 they talk smack. But, like, you know, they'll go go-karting on the weekends. Like, they're right. bros. Like, they're never going to actually hurt each other. Right. Um, except that one time, those couple times Bowser gets thrown into lava. But that was No, that's fine. No, that's, He's used to it. Yeah, like, I like how they portray the Donkey Kong Kingdom as this wacky races, like, cartoon off-the-wall, like, weird... Like, I love how they do that, and I love how Donkey Kong's portrayed as just, like, a lughead who's trying to be cool. Um, Literally, my favorite line read in the entire movie is, Mario's gotta fight Donkey Kong in this arena. Donkey Kong comes out, and he's, like, you know, mugging for the camera, and then he looks over at Cranky Kong and goes, Hi, Dad! Yeah. Dad, wave back! (laughs) I'm like, wow, you kind of nailed this character. Yeah. Like, again, every single bit works. And for me, the ending actually did get me kind of emotional because, again, it's exactly what I want from a Mario Brothers movie. Bowser's come back to Brooklyn. He's like, screw this. I'm just going to burn everything. Whatever. You, you ruined everything, Mario. Like, everyone else is fighting. Mario's down and out for the count. And then the TV that's on, like, nearby starts playing the Super Mario Brothers advertisement again. And that's how he gets the power. 
to fight back. And then him and Luigi together get the superstar. And maybe the best composition in the entire movie, the like, do, 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 starts playing. And I'm just like, yes, this is everything I'd want from a Super Mario Brothers movie. Like, the, it somehow pays off, even though the setup was barely there. Right, yeah. Which is a testament to, like, a good starting point for your story. Mm-hmm. Like, again, good story, bad plot is your bad plot can overcome poor setup to make the payoff still kind of work. Right. Again, it is a perfect video game adaptation in the sense of it is a vibrant, delightful world with characters who you immediately, like, you immediately like and identify with and want to see succeed. Right. And a whole bunch of incredible set pieces that are genuinely creative, rich ways of realizing this world and with a plot that just kind of keeps it together. You know, despite my negativities about this, I do recommend it. I do think it's absolutely worth experiencing. I even do want to give it a second try now that I kind of know what to expect I do want to see it again oh yeah again I this will be a comfort film for me like this will be there with Teen Titans Go where I watch it like my frustration is not because I think it's a bad movie I think it's a perfectly decent solid kids Mm -hmm. film like and again like I can sit here angry that they didn't uh, make a movie for 27 year old Carter but they made a film for 8 year old Carter Mm. and that was probably the smarter choice in the grand scheme of things I might agree Yeah, my frustration Maybe the first, like, my frustration is it isn't in the Spider-Man Teen Titans Lego movie tier. And it's like, well, that's the S tier for a reason, because very few people get to be there. Right. Um, and, again, I'm just excited we're going to have more Nintendo stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't know if you have any, like, well, you want Animal Crossing. You've established that. But they still haven't released the anime they made yet. Yeah, honestly, I'd be satisfied with that. <laughs> I mean, I'd love a Pikmin thing because I'm a sucker for like little critters in a big world. Mm. That would be cool. We talked. Um, didn't we talk about this on Patreon? Yeah, this was Patreon, but we were talking about video games in general, and like, I was like, I'm not going to do any Nintendo ones because I know you're going to do all the Nintendo ones. Yeah. Um, Star Fox would rule. I honestly, yeah, like, I would love Odyssey to be like Odyssey feels very cinematic. Well, you know what's funny, like. I'd argue Odyssey is a slightly better version of, like, executing the story through plot. Because yeah. it's like, yes, we're just jumping from place to place, but they make a logical connection. Right. Because the whole thing's centered around a wedding. So they think of, like, well, why would Bowser have come through here? Right. Oh, because he needs this. And you're like, oh, that's cl- that's a clever right. explanation for he why he would want to come to this specific Like, world. literally wedding stuff. It's like... <laughs> yeah. He's not going to go to Yoshi's Island. There's nothing there for him at Yoshi's right. Island. But he will go to a weird little sand kingdom with skeletons mm-hmm. because they have gemstones. Yeah. Yeah, that tracks. I like that. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I want to get these movies to the point where they are kind of like they are in that movie where they're just kind of like... And that's, again, why I like the Paper Mario games. Because, like, after the first one, it's like, oh, hey, Mario. Yep, you and me do a punch-up. Mm-hmm. And then some other threat shows up. Right. Literally, Thousand-Year Door, which is the favorite one. Bowser's not even in the story until halfway where comics like, hey, Mar- I got some intelligence that Mario's in some, like, uh, island kingdom. He's looking for stars. And Bowser's like, well, if Mario wants them, obviously I should have them. So he just rolls up mm. and tries to steal a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Bowser, get the hell out of here. We're doing our right. own thing right now. <laughs> um... And, like, your party members who are hanging out with Mario for the first time are like, OMG, it's Bowser. Right. Um, Obviously, they're going to do more Donkey Kong stuff. Like, again, it's, like, in terms of, like, I I don't know. We talk about, like, 
film these films and talk about like kids entertainment and it's like for me at the end of the day if i feel like a piece of kids entertainment is a net positive for like pop culture then i think it succeeded and i can't deny i feel like this is a net positive for like kids entertainment i would agree yeah and y'all like we're already an hour and a half into this which i feel is appropriate for this movie i'll just say stop being weird on the internet about this movie yeah (laughs) please like, it's boring. It's okay to like... Th- it's boring. If you don't yeah, like it, it doesn't it, make you smart. It doesn't make you smart if you don't like it. And trying to, like, dismiss critics for kind of not being into it doesn't make you, like, a revolutionary. Yeah. Like, again, that scene... The scene at the end where Mario's hiding out in the pizzeria, like, people are like, oh, this is art. This is Mario at his lowest. And I'm like, oh, guys, so. can we not do this Puss in Boots thing again yeah. where everyone talk... There was that scene in Puss in Boots where he's having, like, a panic attack and the dog helps and everyone's like oh, this is, this is how you do animation, right? And I'm like... No, it's not. And I'm like, but, no, we're not doing this again. Yeah. Absolutely not. We're not doing the Velma discourse again. Right. Like, I'm sorry that you didn't like Velma. Let it go. Normal people don't remember that came out. Right. Like, like you, it's okay to like kids' things. It doesn't make you lame. It doesn't make you soft. Right. It doesn't make you kids so, things, a soy boy. Kids' things don't need to be emotionally mature. Right? It's like, it's okay to like what you like. Right. Okay? Come on now. Um... And until we get to World 2-2 and have to see the Super Mario Brothers movie 2 mm-hmm. with um, Joaquin Phoenix as Waluigi and <laughs> an AI-generated voice of George Orson Welles and John Cena for, uh, Wario. anything. Yeah. Yoshi. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. Have a magical day. Thanks for listening. Wahoo! Oh, dear God. The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk for the latest updates about the show. Want more of the most magical podcast on Earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon. For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash Disney Desk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you.